Great job. I love our worship. I love our worship team. I love what God is doing. We've got a lot of things in store. We've got the Advent series coming up starting November 29th, running through uh, December 20th, which is the Sunday before Christmas. It's also my wife's birthday. So every now and then that just shows up on a Sunday, honey. So happy birthday ahead of time. And so we'll... Uh, We'll do the Advent, and then on the last Sunday of December, we'll just have one service at 11 that particular Sunday as well, as is our custom to do. Uh, we're working on a Christmas Eve service. We, we're just going to encourage you to come on out for that. We'll let you know time and place and all those great things. The downtown building, uh, I think we have uh, the occupancy from the city, maybe even the county. We're waiting on the fire, but things are moving ahead on that, and so we're excited. All through COVID and everything else, we, we still got to keep this thing moving forward. Amen? So pre appreciate your prayers. Thank you, by the way, uh, for those of you who sent in cards and gifts and pastor appreciation. Too kind. Uh, uh, just simply, uh, we're, we're just amazed at uh, the people and their love, their love for us, and, and we thank you so much. So we're in Mark's Gospel, the ninth chapter today, and this is in Mark's Gospel, the same as Matthew 17 is the transfiguration, which we're not going to talk about, but the whole goal of being a Christ follower is, the, is kind of transfiguring, is this change of life in us. And as we have a change of life in us, we become what God then wants us to be. That's important for us to know because sometimes we kind of get stuck in humanity and we want to become what we want to be, all right? We're learned or taught from an early age, you know, what little boys and girls want to be in the first and second grade, sixth and seventh grade. And although it's good to have a plan and it's good to have a desire, sometimes that changes when we become who God wants us to be. God will use your talents and giftings for his plans and purposes if we let him, okay? If we allow him. Otherwise, he'll just move on to the next one. So Transfiguration is that, but then there goes leads into a story of Jesus meeting with the man whose son is vexed with demons. I want to explain that for a second as we go into the, the story, because some people say, well, is there demonic possession? Is there demonic activity? There is. There is. There, it's all around us. Uh, the possession part is true and real, although it's, it's probably more isolated. It's probably more demonic spirits and demonic activity than full-on demonic uh, possession, although that does take place. That happens certainly in America and around the world. It was maybe a little bit more often used in the culture when Jesus walked on the earth. They attributed everything to sin. Listen, if someone has a disease or an infirmity under the age of grace, that's not necessarily attributed to sin, although there can be some things we bring on ourselves because of a, a harmful or hurtful addiction or, you know, things that take place in our life. And so that's a whole sermon series in itself. We won't get into it, but you'll see a young man vexed with demons. And I wanted to clarify that today under grace, yes, it can happen. But more than anything, we need to be careful that we don't give the devil too much credit. There is, however, though, spiritual activity that takes place. You know, uh, certainly the devil is alive and fighting in the United States of America, and you know that because wherever there's discord, wherever there's disunity, and this is the opportunity of the church to rise above that, right? 
and to walk in what Janie said, the fruits of the Spirit. Let's walk in love. Let's walk in mercy. The problem with America is we go as our team goes, okay? If our team wins, we're successful. If our team loses, we're perceived as being a loser. If our party wins, we're successful. If our party loses, we're perceived as being a loser, you know? And that's not true. And listen, in the kingdom, you're all winners in the name of Jesus. We're all winners in Jesus' name, amen? I mean, that's important to know because it's become American theology that we go as, and trust me, after rooting for the Nebraska Cornhuskers for the last uh, five or six decades, I realized how humble you can be when your team doesn't win every week or at all. <laughs> like, just a couple wins would be good. So it, it may be the Lord is showing me, hey, you guys aren't all that in a bag of chips, right? So I know with the election, I know with racial tension, I know with all these things, we have to be careful as a church. When I say the church, the church around the world, the church in America, but specifically Grace Church, that we rise above and we actually do walk in those things that God's called us to walk in, love and joy and peace, unity, forgiveness, Okay. Humility. All right, let's go to the let's go to the, the word of the Lord. Mark the ninth chapter, starting in verse number twenty-one. How long has this been happening to him? So his son's vexed with the demon. The man comes to him, will you heal my son? Jesus asked his father from childhood, he said, verse twenty-two, and many times it has thrown him into fire or water, destroy him. But if you can this is important. This is, this, is the, this is what should be the thought of a an, of an non-believer, if you can. Believers should be saying, Lord, I know you can, but let's move. So if you can do anything, have compassion again. Church, this is what the church should be about. Hey, he's not even asking for a healing just yet. He's saying, hey, if you can, would you have compassion on my son? And I think the world is looking for the church to have compassion on one another. But if the church can't get along, then we're a horrible testimony to the world, right? It's like, man, those guys fight. Churches can't get along with other churches. People can't get along with other people. Christ followers can't get along with other Christ followers. Where's the compassion at? We need to rise above, say amen, and mean it. Okay, if you have compassion on us, and help us. And then verse 23, then Jesus said to him, if you can, question mark, Everything is possible to the one who believes. We're going to stop there for a second. So he says this, if you can. And it's almost like with Jesus, and he's proven a point, there's no if here. It's like not if you can, because if you will or if you would, and he turns it back on. It's like I like what Jesus does. He takes a question a lot of times, and, and then he turns it back into another question. Turns out he doesn't give a direct answer. He wants us to search. He wants us to feel. He wants us to walk into this realm. It says, okay, wait a second. I can't. Like the Bible says when Paul writing in Philippians 4.13, what's he say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's in a jail. He's in a jail in stocks and bonds. Not the stocks and bonds on Wall Street, but stocks and bonds. He doesn't have a bathroom. There are rats and feces everywhere. He's locked up where he can't stand up. He doesn't have a television, doesn't have a phone. He gets a pen and paper, and he starts to write a letter of encouragement to the church of Philippi and says, hey, if, if God be for you, who can be against you? I can do all things. You can do all things. We can do all things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Amen. 
See, it's, it's that matter of fact. And then Jesus goes on to say, everything is possible to the one who believes. And that's, that's incredible. I wrote down what the word believe means in the scriptures. Confident attitude towards God. Not, not a person, not a party, not a location, not a, not a job, not, not an employer. I have a confident attitude towards God. God's in charge. Like Janie said, uh, when she opened, God's got this. Amen? God's in control. God's in charge. God's in charge no matter what takes place. God's in charge no matter who's in control. God's in control. Amen? He's in charge of this thing. So we have to continue to look up. We have to continue to look ahead. We have to continue to prophesy those things. Everything is impossible to the one who believes. Verse 24, he goes on to say then, immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I was like, do you believe or don't you believe? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there like, Lord, I want to believe so bad. Like, like I feel like a failure if I have a little doubt in my mind. And we've preached it probably way too often that you can't doubt, you can't have unbelief, you can't walk in fear, although those are human emotions that most people go through. And so then we think, well, I'm not a, I'm not a strong Christian. Pastor Mark doesn't have any fear. Oh, yeah? Talk to Miss Janie. <laughs> Pastor Mark doesn't have any doubt. Yeah, talk to Miss Janie on that one too. Listen, it's, gonna, it's what you do with it. It's how you deal with it. And I like what this man says. I do believe. And then he kind of catches himself. But just in case I don't believe strong enough, help my unbelief. I want to give you the power right now just to be able to say, Lord, would you help my unbelief? Lord, in the areas that I'm weak, in the areas that I'm just not like a, I was talking to our two oldest grandsons and they were over yesterday. We watched Nebraska lose. That's kind of a Saturday tradition. And uh, they, <laughs> they have a new game. And, and they were t telling me about the game, the video game. And uh, Jonah said, yeah, but there's no superpowers or no superhumans or something. And, and it was like, explain that to me. Well, you could get on the launch pad. And then Jessica said, I said, well, isn't that like a superpower? Well, no, Papa, what he means is that you have to get on the launch pad. Like he can't do it himself. It's a, it's a superpower versus superhuman. And all this technology stuff, which they have college classes for, I guess. And these guys could probably teach them because like they're light years ahead of me. And, and I thought, you know, I think that's the, that's the problem with us in the church sometime. We think we have to be superhuman. We just need to know who the superhuman is, and that's God through Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, the Son of the living God. You have access. You have source to that superpower, and if it's unbelief that you have, just ask the Lord, help my unbelief. The disciples came to Jesus in Luke's gospel, I think the 17th chapter, and said, Lord, would you increase our faith? Basically, they're saying the same thing. Would you help our unbelief? We need to have faith. And I want to give you permission, not that you need it, but I want you to be able to ask the Lord, would you help my unbelief, God? Would you increase my faith, God? 
Lord, would you help me to be the person that I need to be? Can I walk through this? Let's go on to verse number 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly coming together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Can you say amen? I mean, that's a good word right there. I command him. I see, God will work on your behalf. Jesus will work on your behalf. Here's the problem. I've heard preachers say it. Evangelists say it. I heard people prophesying, God, I command you. That could not be less biblical than anything that you're talking about. You cannot command God. You can remind God of his word. You can ask God to command that spirit. In fact, that's the right thing to do. In fact, Jew, Jesus' brother, says that. He says, the angel of the Lord, Michael, said, the Lord rebukes you, Satan. See, we try to take this authority on ourselves. We're bringing ourselves to a fight that we don't belong in because Jesus has already won the battle. He's already participated in the war. See, when, when we recognize what God's called us to do, Steve Jobs uh, passed away a few years ago. Of course, he created Apple, and uh, then he was fired from Apple, and they hired a man by the name of John Scully, who was, ran PepsiCo to take over Apple. Only he didn't know anything about computers. Uh, he knew about Pepsi and beverages, and he ran Apple into the ground. And while, while he was away, Steve Jobs created two more companies. He created Pixar, which had the hit uh, series Toy Story, and he sold Pixar to Disney for $11 billion back you know, 10 or 15 years ago, or maybe longer, maybe 20 years ago. And then he started another company called Next, which I believe Apple ended up purchasing. And along with the purchase, Steve Jobs came back. When he recreated Apple to make them into the powerhouse that they are today, he said, um, and I, I wrote it down, he said, demand equals opportunity. Hear, hear, hear that. That's important. Demand equals opportunity. And so he knew there was going to be a demand for electronic devices, which would create the opportunity. John Scully didn't understand that. He, he thought he was just selling product, but if you don't make the product better, see, they didn't have to increase Pepsi at all. They just needed to get Pepsi in more stores, on more shelves, in more homes. But in the Apple computer, in the computer industry, which was taking off at the time back in 1997 when uh, Steve Jobs came back, then he, he realized we have to make this thing better. What is the demand? Can I tell you, church, that there's a demand out there for the the church to be what it is. And so the demand is people who judge each other, we need to not judge each other. The demand is people who are unsure because there's a COVID crisis, we do not let them know that there's peace in Jesus Christ. Every demand that is in the world equals an opportunity for us to present the gospel of Christ to people. And not in your face lifestyle, but simply say, hey, can we pray about that? Hey, can we, can, we, can we find a scripture on that thing? How about if we read in that what, what Jesus says? How about if we talk about the word of God? Wherever there's a demand and when there's uncertainties and when there's a upheaval and when there's tensions and when there's lack of finances in the world, the people getting laid off, there's an opportunity for the church to rise up and present truly who Jesus is and non-Christ followers only see Jesus through us. That was a good place to say amen, by the way. They don't see Jesus because they're not running to the Bible. 
They're running to someone who has peace, who has forgiveness, who has mercy, who has joy. Let's move on to verse number 26. Then it came out, shrieking and convulsing him. Violently, the boy became like a corpse so that many said he's dead. Verse 27, but Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him up and stood him up. I had written down this, and sometimes you might relate to it. Sometimes going through a storm can really beat you up. (laughs) I mean, sometimes the storms of life, I'd written down COVID, election, racial tension, financial stress, untimely death. There's all these things in the world, all these things in America, all these things in your viewing area. Maybe all these things are taking place in your home, but there's two words there that really stuck out to me, but Jesus, but Jesus. (laughs) It's kind of a nevertheless moment. David had a nevertheless moment when he was, uh, he was leading Jerusalem. He was, in fact, he was leading Israel. They were going to take Jerusalem. And the, the king who had uh, Jerusalem said, wait a second, our, our lame and our blind can beat your army. I mean, we're way stronger than you. Now, they served a lame God and a blind God. They had those pillars like some people have big lines in front of their house. They had these on their pillar. And maybe he meant it to, to bring David down. But David was a warrior. David came out of the cave with 400 mighty men. David knew what it was like to trust God. And David says this, nevertheless, it's a firewall. Like maybe that's true. Like maybe I just got laid off, nevertheless. Or maybe I'm going through a relationship issue, but nevertheless. Or maybe things are just really bad, but nevertheless. And then he says, but. And the New Testament verbiage would be, but Jesus. See, We have to tie all of our hopes into the Lord. We have to tie everything that we are into Christ Jesus. We have to tie our faith, our hope, our trust, our belief, and our confidence in him, church. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him and he stood up. And you need to write that on the tablet of your heart today. But Jesus is in control. But Jesus has this. But Jesus is in charge. And then you start to prophesy to that 2020. And quickly before you know it, it'll be 2021. Hallelujah. That's what we want. But we don't want to get rid of 2020. What can we learn from 2020? How can we respond to 2020? How can we develop in 2020 to be a better Christ follower? Because that's what Jesus would want. But Jesus, he can. He'll take you. He'll love you. He'll watch over you. He'll build you up. He'll pick you up. He'll adore you as you adore him. This is important stuff. But Jesus, let's go on to verse 28 and then 29. After he went into a house, his disciples asked him privately. I like how the disciples kind of do that. Like maybe there's a little pride there. Like, Lord, how come, how come we couldn't? Why couldn't we drive that demon out? And then here's Jesus' response in verse 29. And he told them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And I want you to, I want you to get that for a moment. Jenny and I have been going through a, a prayer manual, a 21-day prayer manual that we're going to give out, I think, the first or second uh, Sunday of the Advent series just so people can have it in their hands and kind of start prep, prep work uh, for the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we'll do in January. And we read it aloud uh, after breakfast each morning. We, we, we read it, 
and then it kind of gives some ideas about how to pray. And I, I have written down five, not from the book, but five different ways or ideas of what really what prayer will do. Because if Jesus is telling, like his disciples walked with him for three and a half years. Like they, they saw miracles. And maybe they kind of tried or maybe they practiced. Like, hey, apparently they tried to pray for this young guy and it, it just didn't work. And like, Lord, how come that happened? And Jesus is saying, well, you got, listen, you got to, you got to, you got to pray. You got to fast. And if we want to leave our mark on society, like if we want to say, man, not, not that it's us, but the mark of a Christian is the mark of prayer. So I, I have five things here that, uh, of, of what prayer does. Number one, prayer attracts us to God. Prayer attracts us to God. In other words, God gives us an opportunity to speak to him. I'm, I'm not, like, I had to make an appointment to talk to the mayor of Hickory years ago, and it took me like two or three weeks to get the appointment. This is the mayor of a smaller town. I'm not, I'm not disrespecting the position, but I had to wait. But tomorrow morning, today, right now, tonight, I can make an appointment with the almighty God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, and he will hear me. That's amazing, church. Prayer attracts you to God. Now listen to the scriptures. Jesus said this. He didn't say, hey, here's how you preach. He didn't say, here's how you pray or praise. He didn't say, here's how you worship. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, you know the prayer. He taught us how to pray. Why? Because there's a, a facet there that when we start to pray, we get connected to God. We get connected to God. All of a sudden, we get the peace of God. It's like, it is like a superpower. All of a sudden, these things start to come down. Your spirit gets full. Your life becomes full of joy. You become happy. And all of a sudden, stress, even though it's still there, there's reason to be there, you become a little bit more lively and a little bit more fun to be around. All because you prayed. Because gossip doesn't cure things. Sarcasm doesn't cure things. Criticism doesn't cure things. But prayer cures things. A prayer attracts you to God. Number two, prayer moves angels on our behalf. Prayer will move the hand of God. And usually, not always, he'll use angelic forces. He'll use people that will, like, Paul said that when we get to heaven, we're going to judge the angels. Now, that's kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? It's like, and I've shared this in the past. Sometimes I call mine Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. So I think maybe he's messed up a few times. But the fact of the matter is, he's probably working overtime for me. And maybe I put him in a position. There's a story in 2 Kings around the 16th, uh, 6th chapter, around the 16th or 17th verse. Elisha has a helper who's not real spiritual. Like he, he's, he looks, he's too, uh, he's too material, all right? It gets him in trouble later on in, the, in, that, in that book. But he, uh, Elisha ends up in a valley, and when he looks up, there's an army all the way around him. And the army is, is, wants Elisha and his helper. And it's only those two. Elisha looks around, kind of evaluates the situation, says, all right, yeah, here's, here's what we got. And the helper, Gehazi, who's less than spiritual, very worldly, gets himself in trouble later on. He says, Master, what are we going to do? Like, like these guys, like, they're, like these guys are, I mean, like we're going to die. Like, he's gonna, like we're going to die. 
And Elisha says, well, no, 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 there's more for us than, than, can be, than, than there are against us. And, Eli- and Gehazi looks at one, two. Me and you, that's it. And then there's a whole army up here, Elisha, and he's freaking out. What are we going to do? And Elisha says, Master, would you open his eyes so he can see? And he looks up and he sees an army of angels surrounding the army of the, of the enemy that were there. And they had swords of fire and they had chariots of fire. And they had arms that were 23 inches and they all looked like Hulk Hogan back in the day or whoever, like The Rock. They, they were all like ripped to shreds. And they were standing up around there. And Gehazi said, oh, let's go get them now. Now now we can get them. Sometimes we have to ask God to open our eyes in the spiritual. And maybe he does it through word. Maybe he does it through a teaching or a podcast. Maybe there's just something that just blips on the screen. All of a sudden, it's your answer. And Elijah, to finish the story, says this. Lord, would you open the eyes of that army to see? And all of a sudden, he opens their eyes, and boom, they're out of there like it's nobody's business. See, the battle's already been won, church. And maybe we got to fight a little bit here and there, but the pulse of the weapons of our warfare are not carnal to the pulling down of strongholds. We have a helmet of salvation. We have a breastplate of righteousness. We have a belt of truth. Our feet are prepared to spread the gospel, the good news. We have a sword of the spirit. We have a shield of faith. We, we, are, the, we are God's army. And then he dispatches angels on your behalf. Number three, prayer attacks demonic forces. Now, I'm not a believer in uh, that there's a devil hiding behind every doorpost. I don't think you should go around looking. But I also think you shouldn't cower down. You have the right and the authority, we've already talked about that, to speak those things that aren't as though they are. You have the right and the authority to to speak out in that realm. You have the right and the authority to rebuke those enemy forces from your home, from your relationship, from your finances. I don't know for sure how God's going to work it out, but I do know that God will work it out. I do know that's what God does for his people. I do know that's what God does for those who follow him, for Christ believers. Why? So that we can use it not to gloat, but we can use it as a testimony to share the good news with other people. Prayer attacks demonic forces. Number four, prayer unlocks our spiritual identity. Prayer unlocks these things in our life. It becomes who we are. Like the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw them into the fiery furnace. And he said, turn it up seven times hotter than it is. I worked for a smelter company back when I was really young. And the reverb, the furnace ran 3,200 degrees Fahrenheit. When you cleaned it out, you had to wait three days before you could climb in there because the heat was so intense. And when we climbed in, sometimes the heat was still up to 140. 40 degrees, okay? And again, could you imagine, I'm not saying it was that, but could you imagine any furnace or any oven being turned up seven times hotter than it was currently running? And they, they said this, going back to the I can, because we sometimes think that I can, but can God, or God can, but I. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said this, and then unlocked their spiritual identity. Hey, king, we don't care today if God will deliver us or not. We're not bowing down to you. 
We're not bowing down when it's our turn to worship the Lord. And so he throws them in the fire. The people who throw them in the fire, they all die instantly. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar looks in there, and the Bible says, hey, didn't we throw three in? How come I see four? And that four looks as if it were the Son of God. Now listen, God will be with you in times of trouble. That helps unlock our spiritual identity. That helps share who we are. That helps us become what God wants us to be. Number five, and last but not least, as the worship team comes back, prayer has the power to transform others. And that's, that's, that's really where we want to be. Prayer has the power to transform others. Every person here who is a Christ follower, hear me, every person here who is a Christ follower had somebody pray for them. It may have been by name. It may not have been by name. It may have just said, hey, Lord, would you just move and bring people to church? Hey, Lord, would you move in our community? Father, would you move on our behalf? Lord, would you save such and such? Lord, would you, would you, would you grab their heart? And maybe you, someone called you by name. This one here prayed for me years ago that I would surrender my heart to the Lord. Everybody has had someone that has prayed for them if they're a Christ follower. Everyone who's a Christ follower should then have someone that they're praying for. And it may not be my name. You may just might call out your community. We have people here today from Lenore to Lincolnton. We have them from Taylorsville to Hildebrand. We have them in Hickory and Newton. We have them in Bethlehem. We have them in, in uh, Eichard. You can call out your community. You can call out your family. You can call out your friends. You can call out. This whole thing started off, Jesus said, if you believe, anything's possible. I want you to stand with me right where you're at for a moment. If you believe, and I want you to start thinking for a moment, are there things, are there areas in my life where my faith or my belief has kind of fallen a little bit? I want to ask the Lord to help my unbelief. Are, if there's areas in your life where you say, hey, I, man, if you're watching online, whether you're standing or not, I want you to go through this process as well. We're not just talking to those who are in the house today. We want to talk to you. If there's an area in your life where you think, is that too big for God? Just rebuke that thought and give it over to God. Peter said, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. I want to quote for a moment the Apostles' Creed because I think it's important for you to hear it. It's important for you to understand what we believe as a church, what you should believe as a, in the Word of God, and then start to act on it this week. Lord, would you help my unbelief? The, the, the um, early church got together and said, we need to make a statement. We need, we need to call this thing out. And they started by this saying, I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the virgin mother, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercessory for us. I believe in the Holy Spirit. One holy and apostolic church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the dead, and life everlasting. Now listen, that's a powerful prayer. That's a powerful statement. That's standing on your ground and saying, listen, here's who we are. And your life 
belief cycle in your belief system. Says, God, let me walk that through. Let me, let me believe. And if I can't believe, what would you help my belief? Let me pray. And we're going to sing the creed today. And as we sing it, I want you to accept it. I want you to stand upon it. I want you to walk through it. Father, we pray our hearts would be open right now for any areas of unbelief, Lord, that we have. That gentleman came to you. His son was vexed with demons. And he said, would you, I do believe. But then he said, help my unbelief. And so, Lord, we know that this is moves back and forth. We have strong faith and sometimes we have weak or little faith. Lord, make us faith warriors. Help us to raise up up in faith. Help us, Lord, help our unbelief for our family, our community, our friends, our church, our loved ones, this country, our world. Lord, help our unbelief knowing that you, by the hand of God and our prayer, will make things the way you want them to be. In Jesus' name, let's worship. God bless you. Thank you. 
I've not done that always in my life, and I've asked the Lord to forgive me for many of the sins and mistakes I've made. But when you can truly look in the mirror and lay your head on your pillow at night and say, Lord, it's all about you, Jesus. He's given you the authority. He is the champ. Satan, you're a defeated foe. You're a coward. And Lord, you will always be our champion. A couple announcements before we leave, before I get stuff on this and a great message pastor as normal um, starting next week just to radiate what pastor said on the 15th starting next week we will have our 9:30 service starting with uh, the early morning service followed by the 11 o'clock the following week on the 22nd we will have the 8:30 service that will be the mask only service please be respectful to that um, if that is what you and your family choose to do not, you are welcome to come back at the 9.30 service and the 11 o'clock. We will also be having the kids ministry starting next week, starting for the 9.30 service, as well as the 11 o'clock service. So let's get our kiddos back out here and, and get them back involved. I know Marcus and his team have been working hard behind the scenes, so let's continue to get our kids back involved. Great students, you're meeting in person again this Wednesday at 6.30. This Wednesday at 6.30. I know Drew and you guys are excited to see your youth. 
So you can also follow them on Instagram for details. Visit us at greatchurch.tv. Connect with us. Find a way to send your prayer request in or your praise reports in. And Lord, we need prayer. We know we need that during this time. We'd love to pray for you and also answer that because we all know that the Lord's prayers are yes and amen. Also, uh, a couple things that we want to catch up on. Continue to follow us on social media, gracechurch.tv, to give to us financially. Uh, guys, the church doesn't turn the lights on by itself. That is our authority by the Lord to tithe and to go above and beyond to give our money back to the storehouse. So continue to get your tithes in. Let's continue to be honoring to God as we go forward in the days to come. Before we leave, I just want to say a couple things. Uh, again, to reiterate what Pastor said, let's give a round of applause to our veterans and our men and women that have served in our military forces. Before we leave, let's, let's go to our word of prayer and our Lord of prayer, excuse me, and say thank you for today and thank you for what you have to come. So let us pray. Dear Lord, I just come to you today and I want to say thank you. I want to thank you that you've given us the authority for every person in this seat today and outside this building, Lord. Anytime you think that your faith may have gotten weak, remember why you got started, Lord, and remember that the time that you died on that cross and you rose again. And Lord, we know you've defeated Satan many years ago and that you are the champion. You always hold the belt. You will always be number one. No one will ever be able to defeat you, Lord, and we just thank you and honor you. Lord, I pray for our country, pray for our families, pray for our church, pray for our pastor and our support team. Lord, that you will continue to pour into their lives, to pour into this greater Hickory area. Lord, that at the end of the day, Lord, it's just all about you, Jesus. I thank you, I love you, and you are a good, good father. As we go our separate ways, be with every family member in this building. We love you and thank you. In your gracious name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed week, guys. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.